Zero, and frequency shift number five. Uh, I'm Chris, and I'm joined again by James. Hi there. Uh, we've not recorded in a while. I think last time we tried to record this episode, it died. Um, the audio quality was bad. Uh, that was some streaming issue, something, uh, whatever, horrible things to do with bandwidth and Sky Internet being pretty crap at times. Um, <laughs> uh, and a lot's happened since the darkness quite fitting for an episode yeah. of King death really <laughs> yeah and a lot's happened since then um because we have had the entire end of uh, the kingdom death uh kickstarter campaign and uh what else over that time period we've had all the kingdom death let's play videos come out and uh Obviously, there's a lot of interesting news going on So for both uh, this show and Darker Days Radio, essentially. So we'll get into that now. Uh, oh, but first of all, uh, James, how are things going? Things are going pretty well. Um, I'm just going to be starting a new job um, up, in, up in Newcastle. I'm very excited about that. Um, and yeah, looking forward to playing some more Kingdom Death up there now that I might actually have some space. <gasps> Excellent. I think I've read that they may be bringing... There's something about it being brought back. That's just what I've read. And when I've read something about Shadow of the Beast, I'm just like, oh, wow, because it's kind of a... It's an iconic game because of how bloody hard it was. And this was back in the days when computer games were hard. Um, and on the Amiga, it was quite important because it made use of a lot of the hardware that came out on the Amiga at the time. Okay. So one of the things that made the game quite visually appealing was it used parallax to give the sense of depth to the the game so you know oh uh, yeah the idea that you've got various layers in the background moving at different rates to give you the idea of motion and that used a particular chip that was on the amiga that wasn't on any of our like household computer at the time which was called the blitter chip i believe so a combination between that and the other things that the amiga did because the amiga was one of these first computers that was using some doing some clever things to do with sprites and bobs and how it was updating the screen and what it wasn't updating the screen with. You know, all that stuff, which allowed it to do some really powerful graphics at the time. So, you know, it's it's as a game name, it's quite a renowned one. Uh, also, mute for the music of the game, um, again, something that the Amiga did quite well was uh, you could record, you know, sound quite well to it. Excellent. Uh, you've been up to any tabletop gaming? I guess not as much because you know need some space and yeah, nothing, nothing so much Thanks. at the moment. Um, lots of uh, lots of video gaming. Um, I've conquered my fear of delving deep into the ocean. Um, I played a very creepy game called Soma recently, mm -hmm. um, which has got that kind of grungy physical tech kind of feel that reminds me quite a lot of Aliens actually. Um, and a little bit of Bioshock. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that sounds cool. Uh, let's see, what have I done gaming-wise? Uh, play some more Leaders, which is a great little board game. Um, that's been good for staff games nights. Uh, not much else really over Christmas other than, like, I think I finished my Dragon King campaign, which was epic. Uh, such a great finale to that campaign. Um... Other than that, it's just like painting things like Gorm, which I got recently, mm -hmm. about a month ago. So that was painted. That was quite an easy paint job. 
pasted up some more survivors uh and eh, of them maybe uh no that is about it gaming wise it's been less busy on the gaming front but hopefully obviously because trying to organize people to play role play games is difficult at the best of times so Hopefully next month should be a rerun of the terrible tale of James Magnus for Chronicles of Darkness. So um, to get some people playing World of Darkness, well, get people playing Chronicles of Darkness stuff that they, you know, they've never played before, essentially. Uh, so that's going to be fun. And I'm just t kind of re I'm, I'm retweaking kind of the tone of the game in places to get it so it's not like an old mansion in new england it's more kind of it's it's more of a mansion but in a kind of 80s kind of brutalist kind of design i want it to have a kind of different feel and that's working in music with the music i'm using for the game as well um so yeah that's the that's the plan with that stuff uh and let's see what else is going on obviously painting stuff is important because end of the month is uh back at Beast of War studio to record some more Lantern Years for uh, Kingdom Death. And those videos have done very well. Um, a lot of good feedback. I know I've made some mistakes in some of it, I think, but you know, overall um, it's gone well. Uh, so, you know, this time we'll carry on with the campaign, see how far we get. And uh, let's see, and what else? Uh, and talk to them about other stuff coming up, like World of Darkness Berlin. So that's going to be fun because uh, myself and Mike are going to be there and we're going to take part in the Enlightenment in Blood uh, LARP. Suggested some characters that we would like to play for it, which allows us to do some cool things for it. Um, as well as we're running a talk um, and obviously doing a live podcast so that's all pretty damned exciting what else is related to that no that's about it i think um we might you know hopefully i think in march we'll finally get done the next main episode of network zero because everyone's just been busy and busy and busy uh and so we're meant to be covering Werewolf the Forsaken finally, so we'll get that kind of, if you're new to Chronicles of Darkness, then it will be your primer on it. And so obviously I think Sam's got some insight ideas that she wants to give on the topic of werewolves in media. So we'll cover the, some of the, the iconic films that represent werewolves for that. So things like Ginger Snaps uh, and uh, other things. I can't think of off the top of my head right now, werewolves. Um, so yeah, it'll be good to get that episode done. And that's pretty much it for now. I think Dark Days Ray has got is gonna the guys are planning an episode on World of Darkness in computer games. Because of course we've recently had news of uh Focus Game was it Focus Interactive or Focus Games Interactive, whatever. Uh French company in conjunction with Cyanide are working on a game for Werewolf the Apocalypse. So that's been recent news. So there's going to be a special episode on on that for Dark Days Radio. Um, and maybe some discussion with one of the guys who is uh, involved in Enlightenment and Blood, where we hope we might invite him on to talk about the use of technology for um, augmented reality games. So that could be quite interesting, what with the recent use of uh, HoloLens, which I've 
had the joy of trying out and may well be using for my own research. Um, so lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of interesting things going on. But we'll move over to the main uh, main segments of the show now, which of course for this is Kingdom Death. And I guess we should talk about that certain Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> Well, that was that was one heck of an adventure, it, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, okay. I'm bringing up the web page again because I forgot all the numbers on it. So it brought in twelve point, let's say twelve point four. Let's round up twelve point four million dollars with nineteen thousand two hundred and sixty odd backers. Uh yes. It's insane because obviously all the stretch goals got ripped apart in the first that could have even been planned got you know ripped apart in the first what four minutes? hours or so I think four it? hours something stupid right yeah um so you know there's only so much you can do with the stretch goals and I think the way Poots dealt with it rather than trying to add trying to catch up on doing the stretch goals and then giving even more was to like tease out what new content is going in the game anyway and there is a lot of stuff so you know there are new so this is a one point this is a funding for uh the 1.5 version of the game which basically means there's a new monster in the game uh that extends campaign uh there's uh obviously an updated rule book uh and then there's some extra things chucked in like new weapons new fighting arts a hardcover rule book uh, an upgraded sturdy storage tray, so the tray insert is getting in the box. That means, and all this stuff that I'm going through, you, you can get as an upgrade kit. So that's what obviously I've backed is to get the upgrade kit for my game. Uh, uh, an overhauled hunt table and hunt events, new changes to the innovations in places. Um, a whole a bunch lot of, of tools. stuff is going to be going in as well. Yeah. Um, so things that maybe weren't so weren't working quite so well to begin with, or maybe weren't kind of living up to what they were expected. Um, yeah, and that's a lot of the innovations and things. They're making a lot of the art on uh, the art kind of research tree a lot more interesting. Yeah, uh, and then obviously, if you were like one of the lucky ones, which I guess we were, which was using, going for the uh, Black Friday uh, pledges. Um, on top of that, there's the Gambler's Chest and the First Hero expansion, which we that I get as part of my kit. I think you also get part of your kit, don't you, James? Because you went for yeah. So the First Hero is a alternate campaign, which means you skip the first twelve Lantern years, or up to up between twelve to twenty Lantern years. So essentially, you start with four veteran survivors who are wandering into a settlement to take it over but in order to do so they have to face uh the the hero the first hero of this settlement he was essentially kind of like it's like facing a demigod because this singular hero is the only one that has to go out and hunt for a settlement so it's quite an epic kind of boss battle to go through but it does shortcut half the campaign 
yeah, I think it's, I think there was some talk about it maybe being able to vary so that you can start, oh no, slightly more advanced at tw year 12 or 20. So yeah, you can kind of go like midway through a campaign or very close to the kind of the boss rush at the end of it. Yeah. And this is important because obviously sometimes you want to give people a taste of Kingdom Death without, you know, doing the whole 25, 30 Lantern Years um, campaign. Uh, and then, of course, we've got the the, uh, the Gambler's Chest. Now, the Gambler's Chest is a weird thing, isn't it, James? The Gambler's Chest is truly, truly bizarre, but absolutely wonderful. Um, so it includes certain things like narrative sculpts. So these are like fixed pose models um, embodying certain kind of key moments in campaigns, certain kind of uh, attitudes. And some of these are going to introduce something that's also introduced in the Gambler's Chest, which is the philosophy system. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, we've got so so. I mean, yeah, some of these narrative sculpts are like um, represent also kind of common uh, weapon combinations that seem to turn up, or or things like that. Uh, what else have we got? We've got like, oh, we've got like scouts of death, which is again an extra way of how you play the game. Um, we've got also two new nemesis encounters in there. So there's Atnus the Child Eater, who's basically our pseudo evil Santa Claus. Um, and we've also got a um we've also got the gambler himself as a new nemesis. So so there's tons of new stuff like this. And then philosophy of death is something else, which what's it do? So the philosophy uh... of death is to move away from individual survivor development being the key focus. And it's to make it something where you kind of develop a philosophy as a settlement, I believe, um, mm. which means that you do pass on these traits. You end up with maybe if you're hunters who totally believe in uh, making bone armor and consuming the dead, you end up with this kind of cannibalistic philosophy, which you can pass on to newcomers. So um, it's a little bit like the the hereditary kind of family buffs that you get yeah yeah it's it's i think it's a new it's a definitely a, an interesting new option to the game uh like scouts of death is interesting because it's about the 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 survivors that go out with your hunters who have to bring who have the uh, awful role of bringing back all the weapons and gear when your survivors die um mm -hmm. on the hunt uh and of course so essentially, we're also getting in the gambler's chest and what is essentially is an advanced rule book. Um, so again, that's that's going to add new options to campaigns. Uh, and there's also something like the scout can also join in the fight if they do. But if they do and they die, then obviously you're going to lose all your gear. Uh, I think there's also changes to the way the hunt system is, works to make it seem a little less arbitrary when your hunt where your hunters just die outright. So I think they're tying that if you've got certain innovations and so forth or equipment, you're more likely of surviving certain uh of hunt events. Uh mm -hmm. I think the, the classic one is you know where where the, the ground is no longer faces but is instead feet. And if all your survivors in your hunt in your in all your hunting survivors are insane, then they all would die, which is 
tragic, obviously. Um, yeah, I'm just scrolling through a lot more of the um, the stuff in the gambler's chest. So this was like teased out over the course of of the uh, the campaign, uh, mm-hmm. and there's so many extra models in there. It's just it's quite it's quite crazy how many brand new models uh, we'll be getting in that box, along with the food innovation tree. Mm-hmm. So f- you know that's that's uh, a whole thing. Um, there's the, the savage bone eaters, which is going to be quite interesting because they're a encounter that you can have mid hunt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think they're going to be maybe looking into more of that kind of uh, that kind of content. Um, but you've also got the uh, the kind of bizarre pinup models for Anna and uh, and Poops. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few kind of like more tongue-in-cheek models in there. But nothing too, you know, there's nothing like excessive. I mean, we've also got like the sci fi. Um... Sci fi Aya, isn't it? We've got... Yes, it is. Yeah. So that's kind of wicked. It's, I mean, it's an amazing. No one really had any idea what was going to be in Gamper's chest as it started. And, you know, the way it was teased and released, it just it kept generating content for people to come back and look at. And Adam actually really engaged with the community on a number of the ways that he released things. Um, yeah. He made a Mario Maker level, um, and he said that he was going to stop updates until the Mario Maker level got cleared, and that got cleared quite quickly in the end. Um, you know, a uh, yeah, that did. Yeah, one of the squares that was released was um, for a murderer model, so one of the other squares got wiped out. Uh, and has been murdered and it was just it was quite a nice evolution of this reveal as the as the campaign went through um and yeah you know i would say props to him it just it felt it felt really nicely managed yeah um and then there's tons of new expansions so obviously as part of the campaign you can you can pledge for and get all the original expansions and there's a whole load of new ones of course so and on top of that, there's some new pinups, but there's also new male pinups, uh, which were kind of, which were uh, well received. So that's uh, good. But like, I mean, sure, we've got pinups, we've got old expansions, but then we've got new expansions. So I think uh, one expansion, which is definitely one that I included in my pledge, was the uh, Nightmare Ram, the goat made of body parts, basically. Um, which is interesting. I think it was an interesting one to go for because essentially what you've got is a bunch of... T- what you'll get with it is a bunch of tiles that come with it because you fight this creature not on the op- on an open board like you do with everything else, but instead you're going to have more confined fighting because you're inside uh, a series of tunnels and chambers uh, against this creature and also some other nasty little minions that exist in its tunnels so um i think the night nightmare ram is exciting just purely because the way you're gonna have to the way the fight is set up is so different definitely um what we've seen from some of the promos or the kind of preview stuff for it it just it looks like it's going to be really interesting it's going to have some mini monsters or some small creatures that you encounter throughout the fight um, it changes the labyrinth to kind of suit its needs as the fight goes, and that sounds that sounds really exciting. 
um, talking about exciting things in the expansion or uh, in the expansions that are being offered. One of them is an expansion to an existing expansion, mm -hmm. um, which is going to be the Silver City, which expands the uh, the Lion God. Yes, yeah, I think that's um, that'll be interesting. I mean, yeah, I can't I mean, remember I, what it was. Yeah, go on. I went to fight the Lion God in my campaign, and I got absolutely ripped apart by him. But it'll be interesting to see more kind of long-term content for it. It's going to include a number of kind of smaller monsters as well as um, some different armor sets for that, which, I mean, it sounds like an interesting way of, you know, instead of invalidating expansions that people have already bought and saying, like, there is a new Lion God and it is this and you have to have these new cards, um, it's a way of going, yes, actually build on what is there already, which is quite interesting that's the thing we're seeing with some of these these expansions is the inclusion of of um you're going to end up with fights which are going to which are going to include a monster with multiple minions or or multiple monsters on the board in some manner so i think we kind of get that with uh spidicules but i've not got a copy of spidicules yet i kind of need to get that monster um in particular because then i'll have everything for another expansion we'll talk about later um but yeah the idea that we're, you know fights are getting more and more kind of interesting this way uh whether it's changing up how the board is or changing up the number of enemies on the mo on the board at a time is is kind of cool uh what's the next expansion i've got on the list here the other one uh the screaming god expansion so this is uh a expansion that will is a huge, you know, final endgame boss. It comes with the Screaming God, Screaming God armor, narrative sculpts, because the way they, they that Poots came to the conclusion that the way the armor is sculpted, you can't do it multi-part like, like the regular survivors. You've also then got this Lantern Parasite Queen, and then you've also got the Illuminated Lady and Illuminated Man models, which is kind of wicked, because uh, that'll be um, nice to paint. And basically, we've got it's a giant giant version of the um screaming antelope uh and this thing can scream laser blasts essentially uh it's um it's quite wicked that way uh, and i think it also expands the game again past the gold the gold smoke night which is the ex which is the expanded boss in the core game so now we're looking at like a, a campaign that goes on for like what 35 lantern years something yeah. like that like it's really so really kind of building on what the the core game is pushing that kind of late game content yeah um, and also the thing is with this this monster is i think it counts as like a node i want to say node five so we're getting the idea that uh there's also many of the monsters will be reclassified as well as being a particular node monster, which essentially means that you know where to add it into your campaign. It also means that it'll help you build custom campaigns, and that's one of the other expansions. Is what's is it called? Uh, Books of Campaigns of Death, I think, which is all about how to make your own campaigns from various. Um, yeah, choosing different expansions, putting them together notes on how or kind of add and balances things against each other so that you can uh 
you can put things together in interesting ways. And I imagine that might even have some extra variants, like we got for the bone eaters in the core book. Um, you might have some extra ideas for how about you try a place that lives on top of a, um, a big heap of iron or something so that you actually have iron available early on. Like, how does that change the game? And how does. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what happens if you try and go and fight bosses with only low level hunts up to that point? Um, and maybe even something to support the. Um, the uh the green knight armor yes yes um the lion knight expansion got upgraded so that you now get the roll survivor miniatures in them so they're particular to how you fight the uh the lion knight so you've got those extra miniatures that before were just resin promotional miniatures uh we've got a new expansion which is frog dog which is this weird frog dog thing basically expels clouds of noxious gas that explode and and uh i think it's a level it's a it's an early level um node one monster uh so that's kind of gross that one uh flower knight obviously is included is back um there's a we've got Cito, which is yes it sounds absolutely monstrous um quite a lot of little creatures along with it. Yeah, you get these faceless dwellers and oblivion pupper miniatures. So uh, the arm of that kit looked really cool. I think it was very kind of um, Mongol inspired. Uh, you've got uh, oh, that's gone. we've got frog stuff there. We've got pinups there too. We've got the Pariah expansion, which is uh, interesting uh, character because he's has apparently violated the vows of the white white speaker cult by murdering uh, a number of them uh you fight him uh, on the inverted mountain and so the fight takes place apparently upside down so you get some survivor miniatures to represent them hanging off this inverted mountain uh which is the inverted mountain itself being an entire campaign for which this monster is part of. Yeah, it's um, it's going to also. I think the rest of the monsters and campaign they come as other expansions. There's the Griffin, which I think is part of the Inverted Mountain. Um, yeah, he's massive that miniature. He's going to be absolutely huge. Uh, there's the Black Knight. He's not part of the Inverted Mountain though. Um, but he does offer oh, a campaign yeah. mode, doesn't he? Where the survivors live in the uh, the lands of the uh, the Black Knight, so they kind of uh, are protected by him. But he doesn't know they actually live near him. Uh, yeah. There's the Super Survivors, which is kind of a more tongue-in-cheek expansion, uh, which is where you get the four character survivors you get that are the starting survivors in Kingdom Death, but they're kind of like Super Saiyan style, uh, with a perfect dung beetle knight miniature, which is obviously a homage to Perfect Cell from Dragon Ball Z. Though I think that miniature looks more like um, like the design for it. I think he looks a bit more like um, the Bio Booster Armor uh, Giver series. Um, uh, the the you know the the main titular kind of uh, armor yeah. character from that. 
those um, models might actually be quite nice to use as uh, saviors in your campaign because they're all they're all obviously brimming with power. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, okay, we said we said the Black Knight, which has got also an alternate campaign. There's the uh, Red Witches. Oh yeah, I really you know if I can if I can add a bit of money onto my pledge, you know <laughs> when the pledge manager's open, if there's one thing I, I wouldn't mind getting on top of what I've ordered already because I haven't gone again. Let's let's be honest. You could go in whole hog like some people have and get every single expansion as part of of um, your pledge. And people have done that, but the thing is, again, it doesn't. T it only takes like adding one or two of the the expansion kits into your campaign and swapping out a monster here and adding one in there to to have something that will play quite differently. Um, so, you know, I was I held back and got what I thought was cool because obviously, you know, there is life outside of Kingdom Death. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Red Witches is definitely one I would like to get. And again, that's another one of these where. What is it? There's three... What have we got? We've got three Red Witches who are the characters. Uh, not characters, who are the, the... I guess the nemesis encounter that they are? Yeah, they're the, they're the kind of core boss. And then you have five Red Cloaks who are kind of trainee witches that um, it looks like they're going to kind of get teleported into place when you you strike out a Red Witch and then all of a sudden it turns out to just be one of their doubles. Yeah, and then you've also got the armor based upon the Red Witches, which again looks really wicked. Yeah. Um, and then there's also an alternate campaign where I think you could, you could actually play as the Red Witches in a short-form campaign. I think that's what I read. Um, yeah, um, there's a little thing saying that it's planned to have interactions with Fade, the White Speaker, and White Secret Story Event. Um, and, uh, and the Prior, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I think basically that you would be playing as the Red Witches hunting down the Pariah, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of wicked. Uh, the Death Armor expansion, which is again is a bit like the um, the Green Knight expansion, I guess. It's like a, a particular armor set made from the bones of every single monster that you hunt. Uh, again, looks awesome. Uh, where are we? Campaigns of Death, we said, which is how to make your own stuff. Uh, they've brought back the false messengers, and I think they're updating the uh, the the rules for those for those characters to make them interact with your game better. And then, of course, there's the inverted mountain expansion, which means it'll interact with Frog Dog, Oblivion, Mosquito, Pariah, Black Knight, Red Witches, Nightmare Ram, and Griffin. So basically, every monster from this campaign, from this Kickstarter. All the new monsters from this Kickstarter are used in not this. The, um, not the Honeyweaver. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that, yeah. yeah. So the Inverted Mountain expansion is exactly that, and you fight the Mountain Man. So you've got like stuff like Trapdoor Men, which, who live in the Inverted Mountain, and uh, Visionary Survivor Narrative Sculpts, and Apotheosis Male and Female Sculpts that we've seen before in Resin. So that's a whole brand new campaign. Silver City expansion, we've said. Uh, we've got, where are we now? We've got the Honeycomb Weaver expansion, which I think is one of the grossest looking monsters in the game. But, and it's, you know. It's interesting that the, uh, the Honey Weaver is a monster that uh, it says it comes in two types. 
So there's a 10-year yes. version, which is node one, uh, and then a 100-year version, which is node three. So it's good. you can add it in. You know, that makes it an expansion that's actually doing a lot of kind of double time work. If you wanted to add something to change early game or late game, you know, you yeah, can fit yeah, it yeah. around that. Uh, we've also got the the an interesting one, which is the Paizo Kingdom Death crossover, which is the Pathfinders of Death, which is essentially the four signature characters of of um, of Pathfinder uh, created for Kingdom Death, so that you can play as them, I guess, in a campaign style, which is a bit more like a bit more dungeon crawler crawler RPG, because of course you can have these four heroes who uh, are your main uh, focus or at least they're going to be archetypes as that that characters can become so you've got like a hero mode which will alter an alternate pathfinders of death campaign each hero has a unique class uh it's similar to the philosophy system yeah so that's kind of wicked obviously i think that one caused a lot of outrage with people who hate kingdom death and hate to see pathfinder in any way related to Kingdom Death, but you know the, the people that create Pathfinder are fans of Kingdom Death and can dissociate. You know, uh, we've got the Ivory Dragon expansion, which I have to say I would love to get hold of, which is basically the devil. Uh, so you get what the hell do we get with this? It's a giant monster. It's going to dwarf like the Dragon King. It's uh, a one hundred and thirty-five millimeter base. Yeah, so it's the biggest base type there is. Uh, you get the white, you get some armor, uh, you get gate guardians, what are they? Gold smoke knight armor miniatures, that's wicked. And the ivory dragon himself, uh, who is, inc- the, the design for it is massively insane. Like, there's so much going on. Um, and then we've got the Abyssal Woods campaign, which is a whole brand new campaign, which, much like the inverted mountain one, but that gives us uh, it uses the Flower Knight and Spidicules, and it brings us the Sparrow Goblin, which is, again, another huge base monster. We get f- five Disciples of the Witch miniatures that we've seen before in resin. We get the Flower Witch, which, is, again, has come out before in resin, and we get a whole lot of armor. This is basically the Abyssal Woods campaign, uh, which we know only a little about because the um, the Flower Knight and spiritules interact with this. Uh, yes, that's crazy. Um, and I think that is it. There's a few other oh. little promo things. So one of the things that did get added quite late on the Kickstarter was the hard plastic game board. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm. Yeah, I think that if there's anything that's going to fall through, I think it's going to be that because it's going to take a lot of designing to get it so it works with you know things sitting mm. on it. Uh, yeah, so that's it. That's 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 other than other little things we've missed out here and there, which are like promo miniatures uh, to do with other games or the pinups, which we don't you know aren't the main feature of it all. Uh, it's pretty crazy. I mean, it's. Um, you know, just getting the upgrade pack with with the first hero expansion and uh, the gambler's chest to Kingdom Death. But then, if you add on the extra a few extra expansions, it's just there's so much content; it's ridiculous. And wow, it's just crazy. 
yeah, I, you know, I'm really looking forward to, I mean, I unfortunately haven't had a huge amount of time to delve into my existing expansions because everything's been packed up in storage and whatnot. Um, so hopefully I'm going to have something to do while I'm waiting for all of this stuff to get shipped. Um, yeah. The, the kind of release schedule for the miniatures and the boxes and stuff has already kind of been announced by Poops. Um, and yeah, it means that you know you've you've got the first wave coming, which I think is going to be the uh, the upgrade packs. Uh, core game and upgrade packs go out, I think, middle yeah. of this year. Most of it's been pushed back a few months because they they were already printing like uh, however many copies, and then they had to produce even more copies like you know they were producing like 10,000 copies of core game or upgrade packs and so now they have to produce even more because of the amount that people have pledged for um mm. and i don't know how many also how many people may have pledged to buy the retail um packs you know where they get like six copies of the game uh which i do know so like i believe uh fanboy 3 in manchester have got one of those coming along so they will have in stock six of those game uh, six copies of the game that is if they haven't been sold already um so that's kind of cool um yeah it's just there's tons and tons and tons and yeah it's coming out in waves which makes life a little easier um and yeah, I mean, it's great. You can get everything at discount. But again, I mean, if people, if there is, because the pledge manager is going to open up, if you do get the chance, if there is the chance for people to, to do a late pledge, you're mostly going to get sent to the back of the queue, I'm sure, on the, on, if you, if he does, if Poots does allow late pledges, that's not been announced whatsoever. But if it does happen, I can imagine it'll be back of the queue with all this because it's the only way to make it fair to the people that actually pledge during the Kickstarter, I imagine. Um, and but if you do, obviously, don't feel like you, sh you should have to get every single expansion in order to play the game properly because the game is complete as it is and it will be more complete than what it was when we got it. So there's more than enough there to play, which is the main thing. Uh, is that everything, James? Um, I think one last thing that uh, that I'd say about the expansion is during it, Adam has been kind of sourcing uh any of the issues that people have run into whilst playing kingdom death and he's trying to get them all errated and ironed out and things so that the the release for this rule book is going to be as as smooth and as polished as it possibly can so you know you're going to have all of that going into this update um yeah because there are a few things be fantastic there are a few things that need uh more clarification um but I mean, yeah, it'll, it'll be good to be done. Right, yeah. I guess we move on to the next segment then. Right. So, James, you're going to talk us through... Um, the the joy that is the phoenix so what is the phoenix so the phoenix is this uh it's this huge presence um it's a creature that's kind of existed for 
so long and it's got this mastery of life and death and in, in extension of that time um, it can make survivors older it can make them younger it can manipulate the very fabric of time around it to kind of even undo their actions um, and certainly from the core game the phoenix is really the top of the food chain um, it is the big the, the big target that you're going for after having kind of fought your way through some lions and some uh, some antelopes you're going to get to this this kind of crowning moment um, and really the moment you put the phoenix on the board it towers over everything else that you're going to be seeing um, yeah it's a it's quite an intimidating presence um, and let's uh, Something. So it is a massive monster because it takes it's um it takes up a three by three um area. Uh it has some attacks that we'll talk about which are basically where it's about placement. Um and a lot of its attacks are about hitting zones or entire corridors. Uh miniature wise it's it's crazy because it's festooned with hands. Uh, reaching out of its body um, and it's all about time manipulation with this monster yeah so I suppose that's um, we can start with uh, Dreaded Decade you're going to get these um, AI cards at the beginning of the fight for each of your survivors um, you put age counters on them and, oh no sorry age tokens and uh the phoenix can perform something called spiral age, which is oh my goodness, where is it? Um, yeah, you remove all the age tokens and you gain four hunt XP for each token. If you have more hunt XP than available, you cease to exist. Um, and that's even worse if you've innovated family because all of the survivors with their surname uh, lose two proficiency levels as you kind of disappear from their mind yeah 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 that's pretty pretty mean um but then the age token the age counters are quite uh useful and dreaded decade because it's it it's able to not only it because it as you say it makes survivors di you know speed up in their their aging and disappear um or de-age them but it's all that that being able to be sped up in your age is useful for, especially in late game when you've got like new survivors you need to um, get experience quickly and get their age milestones because obviously you do get those age milestones. They just happen rapidly in the course of a single fight. Um, and if you survive the fight and you've still got age tokens on you, you get to keep those tokens, those tokens get converted into understanding. So it's... Um, it's scary in the late game with your best survivors, but it's also very useful fighting the Phoenix when you've got brand new ones. There's also the chance they can get deleted from history due to one of the hunt events. So, um, yeah, it's um, it swings around about with this guy. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's attacks. Um, some of its attacks kind of... You're going to see a theme developing. Uh, it's got lots of zone attacks, as Chris said. Um, and some of them are a little bit gross, like, uh, for example, 
excrete. Um, it's one of the things you're going to be seeing a lot of with the Phoenix. It even turns up in uh, in the introduction, well, uh, some of the hunt events where you're kind of tracking it. Um, so it normally you'd be hiding in a monster's blind spot, and uh, if you're unlucky enough when it draws that card, it's going to poop all over you. Um, but as Chris says, risk reward. Sometimes it's really bad. You um, a propelled parasite hits the survivor's head, dodge or suffer a severe head injury. Um, but on the other point of it, you could get some of its rare resource cards, like um, rainbow droppings, which you need for some of the uh, the interesting gear that it's got available. Um, yeah, and if you're really unfortunate, whilst you're standing behind it, you might accidentally uh, get the Analtorium card, where uh, on a D10 result, a random survivor is pulled in. Um, yeah, that's pretty. It's a pretty crazy one. So the survivor gets removed from the board. Spend all the age tokens. If they survive, place the survivor next monster. So depending upon how many age tokens you use, it changes what happens to you. So at the low end, it's all I think it's all beneficial. At the high end, things get a little weird. Like, you know, you get sent back to your settlement. Uh, so the survivor just leaves the fight and is sent back to the settlement. Or uh, essentially, they get reborn. So they die, and you get, but you get a, a brand new survivor to use. Or you get completely deleted and all their gear also gets deleted. So um, that's pretty rough, really. Yeah. The, uh, the Phoenix can really can really do a number on you, and I think that's that can be shown by one of its legendary cards, or, uh, Deja Vu, which is that if the survivors have twenty five or more age tokens between them, get a new settlement record sheet and start a new campaign in the first story with the current survivors. So that's 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 an interesting one, isn't it? Um, it's. Uh... It's also got an effect if you have less than 25, which is that each survivor needs to, uh, each survivor no age tokens rolls a d10. But imagine starting. But imagine starting a new campaign and you've got all these, uh, you could have all these people that are on the verge of, or who are or on the verge of being weapon masters mm -hmm. and, and so forth, and developing a campaign from this elite group of fighters that you could pos potentially have. I mean, yeah, you can have to do it. <laughs> no, you, you, you're straight back to the start of a campaign. But it's, it's interesting that it gives you the chance to kind of do things differently. Um, yeah, it's a curious one. Um, it'd be interesting to do it. I haven't... I, okay. Yeah. Um, Unspoken's a, a fun one. So your survivor loses his name, uh, loses all their survival, and can't gain any until they're renamed. Uh, basically, you have to give them a brand new name when they return to the settlement, because if you give them the same name, they disappear uh, due to paradox. Uh, so that's kind of a weird thematic one as well of uh, you know the phoenix changing time and changing reality. Uh, what else is there? Oh, life pattern. 
Um, so that's uh, that's a duration effect. So when you draw it, you place it face up on top of the AI pile. Um, the monster has plus four toughness tokens while it's in play, but then the next time you draw a card, you heal all the phoenix's wounds, remove all negative attribute tokens, return any persistent injuries to the hit location deck and shuffle. Um, survivors with age tokens are also affected. Um, you'll gain some survival and insanity, restore their armor points, health, uh, remove permanent injuries, disorders and tokens. So it's kind of like a big reset. Um, you know, that could be useful if you bring people into the fight who are maybe a little bit battered. You end up going out of them with possibly people who are kind of, you know, they've lost their old injuries and things. Yeah, that's that's really useful. Again, yeah, it, there's a lot of risk reward with the Phoenix um, with this type of stuff. Uh, let's see what else we got. It's got one of our main attacks. We've got. It's got board, which is a mood, which survivors must get into the eye of the storm with the Phoenix, or else they suffer knockback and bash. Uh, yeah, so um, there's it's basically you have to get into the four cardinal points around the uh, the Phoenix, or otherwise you get hit by this. By this storm that the phoenix creates um and it's also got some attacks which involve you know it using its wings so either it attacks on the on the left or the right or dead ahead and it's a it's a corridor that's three squares wide in that direction it hits everything along that direction um and it also does uh, it, it has an ability called materialize which is yeah. where the phoenix can be placed. Where it's basically when when it says that you do materialize that the phoenix is placed, and as a result, it has to be placed that it's next to the targeted survivor, yet also is placed on top of as many other survivors as possible. Um, and of course, that'll do collision with those survivors. So that's pretty mean. And that can really affect your positioning, especially if you're trying to get into those kind of base contact eye of the storm zones yeah 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 uh and then it's got what ancient stare and pitying sigh which uh again it's all about uh what do those do again actually let's so uh, find them they're, they're quite interesting from a thematic point of view because it makes it seem like this is a creature that actually has a lot of sentience, you know, to be able to pity something that that's stare that's seen so much. Um, and the phoenix does have inside its mouth; it has a uh, the face of an old man there as well, and its hands are yeah. kind of clawed and uh, gnarled. Um, as far as attacks, uh, luck target gains an age token, materialize, intimidate, or uh, intimidate all targets, which is kind of you know, they're, they're not super iconic attacks, but I thought, um, yeah, they're really interesting from a thematic yeah. perspective. Um, and Haze is another one that's quite good thematically. Uh, mm -hmm. Each age token gains the following effect while Haze is in play. Minus one movement, minus one speed. Mm. Oh dear. So that's the idea of like it's slow, of time slowing down, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, one of the other special traits that the Phoenix can get is zeal, where it basically gets at the end of its each monster turn, it gets to a basic action. So again, the Phoenix can attack quite a lot, and 
um, can actually get quite a lot of attacks in in the turn. Uh, I mean, overall, it's 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 got a mean set of um, its AI deck can end up being quite quite hard to deal with. Um, it's not the toughest of monsters, I would say, to face, but it is it can still be a challenge even at level one. Uh, it really depends what you've innovated uh, and what you've made against it. Uh, what else is there to say about it? Its hit locations are interesting because there's some particular ways that it reacts to you. Yeah, I think one of those that's the most uh, most potentially frustrating is that sometimes when you attack a monster, if you have age tokens, um, it'll well the monster will perform displacement. So place it anywhere along the board edge furthest from the attacker. Um, oh no, displacement one is actually all right because if you've got age tokens, you can try and follow it through time to yeah. that location. Um, rewind is the one that's unpleasant. Um, where if you have age tokens when you make the attack, you restore any wounds and persistent injuries caused to the monster, and then you place the survivor five squares away. Yeah, that one's annoying. So it undoes your attacks. It's just so they're just so so annoying. Um, there's not much more to say about that one. Uh, then it's got its trap, which is time stop. Uh, all survivors are doomed. The attacker is easy to hit as they are helpless to uh, defend against themselves. Uh, defend themselves, and it's a basic attack from the monster. So I don't think it's not much more complicated than that, is it? It's uh, it's a trap, I don't think. So they can't block or use fighting hearts. So if you've got someone who's kind of getting by on that, you know, you're not safe from it. Oh, you um, can't use block, yeah. That is um, a real pain in the ass. It's also it's also um, always hits on a 2+, plus when it does its uh, basic attack. And that way you combine it with some other things that the Phoenix can have. Uh, like um, if I just find its AI cards again, uh, let's think. Is it top of the food chain? No, it's not top of the food chain. I'm thinking of. There's a, another one. Uh, is it? Is it something? Not chatter. Not dreaded. Something beak. Was it peck? Yeah, with peck. That's a horrible uh, AI card because before it does damage against you, mm -hmm. uh, once you've rolled once you've rolled the armor locations before you apply the damage, you remove all remaining armor on that location. Ouch! So the idea it can, it can bust through armor is is in this with this monster as well. So that's just just so annoying. Um, it really is. It can be. It can end up being quite the annoying monster to fight. There are ways of dealing with it, though. Um, uh, like if you're lucky. Well, there are no. When I say ways of dealing with it, there are are things which, which if you hit the right locations, also pay off. Um, if I just look at the hit locations again for the phoenix, there's one which is quite important. Which is so there's things where you might be able to do extra wounds to it on a critical wound. Uh, that's good. Um, there is one which we get some resources with its critical wound. So pretty much every hit location on the Phoenix has got a critical wound, which is good. Uh, here's the one. Glorious Armpit. If you do a critical wound on this, it's a persistent injury, which means 
whenever it does displacement, the attacker is covered in rainbow goo and you get plus one insanity. So you've basically removed displacement as a reaction. And also materialize means that is changed. That when the phoenix does materialize, it instead gets knocked down. But if you get that hit location and you crit it, then the phoenix is pretty much a rollover. Um, and you know, you're gonna just you you are going to just brutally rip it apart. Um yeah, not much more to say on that guy like that. Um, you know, there are other things you can do, like if you hit its beak, um, you it won't destroy your armor anymore. Uh, uh, so a lot of its a lot of its hit like its critical hit locations, critical wounds uh, are are very beneficial against this monster in countering some of its more tricksy uh movement and fighting options that it has what about its hunt events when we go actually hunting it there's some there's some again some stuff that's characterful uh filth from above basically you're pooped on uh it couldn't hit you in the head but also you could collect its magical poo for whatever reason you know it's a phoenix um and it's got rainbow droppings or whatever so you can collect that uh, there's unmake where gear can be deconstructed and improved, but it can also just it can also again delete gear. Uh, what else is there, James? So, uh, you've got things like fertile fields, so you can grab a whole bunch of acanthus when you're out there, which is nice. Um, so, uh, time flows backwards, which is one that Chris has mentioned before, that means that you're gonna lose one level of hunt XP. So, if you've got a bunch of little newbie hunters they're possibly going to lose that and just pop out of existence. Um, that's probably not going to be as much of a problem once we get the updated Lantern Horde in the 1.5 rulebook, because that gives yes. you a way to teach people Hunt XP. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's just, that's like a little bit of a buffer to avoid instantly phasing out of the... Uh, yeah, because you'll be you get to use you get to use endeavors um, to translate directly into hunt XP, and I think that makes that makes um, that makes graves more useful than ever uh, for that. So against the and then up against the phoenix, you know you've got some buffer against this. I mean, it's also not a bad thing when you lose the hunt XP as well, because because you've gone through an age milestone. You can actually take. You can actually, as you gain the XP again, you can gain the benefits of that age milestone again. So again, it's a risk reward thing on that. Yeah, like if you if you could get up to the um, the two hunt XP level and then kind of duck down below it, that's probably quite a nice bonus. Um, yeah. One of the things that you do have is a recurring nightmare which is that right. you find yourself standing at the threshold to overwhelming darkness, which is one of the hunt events that's fixed on the board. Um, unfortunately, if you've already done overwhelming darkness, you still find yourself in front of overwhelming darkness. So you actually move back through that event and then have to play through it again. Uh, that's not good. So, yeah, I think that sums up the Phoenix, doesn't it? It's a... Uh... It's a it's a curious monster. It's quite thematic in all of its ways, um, both its attacks, its hunt events, and and uh, and so forth. Uh, it's got some 
thematically, some stuff turns up in its equipment. So, for example, the hours ring that you can make from the Phoenix is a uh, an item which means a survivor who's got maxed out still able to fight. Um, and that's really useful, especially when you've got, like, in the late game, someone that has maxed out and has essentially retired in the game. Uh you can make with the phoenix there's some good gear i mean yeah i mean things like the um the tomahawks are quite nice on a perfect hit you get an additional attack roll they've already got three speed um they're hitting in plus fives which is quite nice two strength but if you have the uh definities completed they gain savage and paired which mm. is pretty tasty. brutal yeah yeah and like the rainbow katana is also uh, a pretty great weapon when you've got it. Um, but you want to make sure you get the uh, the sheath for that because the katana on its own is frail. Um, yeah. The sheath is I, kind I... of strange because it's got a it's not got an affinity built into it, but it does have a direction arrow on the card. Um, yes. Which is only so, shared with maybe the blood paint. I think the blood paint does that as well. Um. Yeah, the Rainbow Katana is cool. I, I use that in my final battle against the Dragon King because the Dragon King doesn't have that many, like, you know, hard, super dense locations. So it was risk, you know, you could take the risk. Um, and Katana's cool. Uh, so that's the, that is the Phoenix in, in total. Um, it's a, it is a pretty good, fun monster to fight. It's just, you know, it is annoying. Let's be honest, it is annoying. Um, and the other things we can say is, as we finish off, um, I'm looking back through our show notes, because we were really excited that potentially we might see the Ringtail Fox and the, and the, um, the, the, was it, is it the, what's the, what's the night I've got? The Lightning Knight? Is it Thunder um, Knight? Um, Storm Knight. Storm Knight, yeah, sorry. So those haven't turned up in the uh, camp in the Kickstarter campaign. So they're being held back. Is the Ringtail Fox, and that was mentioned, and the Storm Knight. So we have no idea how any of that is going to turn up. But of course, we do know there is there are pl- there are meant to be some plans for other parts of the world of Kingdom Death being revealed in uh, other related games. So something that isn't Kingdom Death Monster, but it's something more like Kingdom Death. What, what are we calling it? Kingdom Death Legend? Kingdom Death Hero? Kingdom Death something, something, something. So there's a bigger world to explore yet. Pulls may turn up in, in those things or or be, in, or be in that game, but also then be an expansion to Kingdom Death. So we have to wait on that front. Um, yeah. So that's about it, really. Um, so if you missed out on the Kickstarter, I hope you can get in on it on the Pledge Manager. But if you can't, um, then uh, you're going to have to wait um, to, for the retail release, which hopefully this Kickstarter... You're doing 12, 12 million. I'm sure I'm sure Poots will be able to get out. It'll be able to keep the game then in a regular production run because... Because the whole point is like, isn't this right, James? That the the vast majority of the money from the first Kickstarter went on on uh, design and production. 
tool, yeah, you know, the tool for the, for the plastic. cycles getting getting the content out, update, like making sure that everything was ready to go, um, quality checking, um, and even just fulfilling the actual requirements yeah. like that. It's one of the things that I think has been done very well with uh, with this Kickstarter. That it wasn't just a matter of Adam got more money in; he's scaled up the possibility of what people can get. It feels like he's had a idea of the cost beforehand, and the extra money is going to make it easier to produce things, rather than it's still going to be stretched as tightly. Yeah, yeah, and. It's um I mean the the main cost now of, of producing a, a box game Kingdom Death is the uh you know, to actually produce it, like in terms of paying for raw materials and so forth, is now printing rather than is printing the card and printing the books and, and so and and all that, uh rather than the actual designing the steel molds and getting those cut. Uh, we're never going to see a miniatures-less version of the game. Uh, I think that that uh, that concept, that idea, is is laid to rest now because I believe Poot said that he had a number of copies of Kingdom Death without the miniatures available at um, at Gen Con last year, and yet no one wanted them. Uh, they wanted them with the miniatures. So I think while you do hear hear people going, oh, the game's so expensive, I wish I could get it without the miniatures. It's like, well, the game has been designed with the miniatures, so not having the miniatures with it doesn't really bring down the cost of the game that much. And you are in the minority of people that want the game that way when the vast majority of people want the game with the miniatures because... It's a full total experience of you know it's not just playing the game it's having these these visual things and I think sometimes with board games some people go oh why do you need the miniatures you know they don't add anything to the game it's like well it's a rather sad I mean I find that sometimes a bit sad way of looking at things they don't add anything to it but it's like they're they're really nice miniatures and it's a hobby and this you know Kingdom Death has been has been created for hobbyists in that way because there's so much fun to be had in painting and putting them together even exactly kingdom death really was at the beginning it was a huge labor of love from adam on the kind of things that he enjoyed he loves minis and he loves kind of horrendous monsters and things and he loves this kind of grim grim feeling world and that's you know that's what the game has come from like if you wanted you know you could see something based on hunting monsters in a much more kind of chipper upbeat thing setting you know that'd be like monster hunter like capcom's monster hunter almost um but it just wouldn't quite be that i mean like the models the models are truly imposing and even you know my ones i haven't painted them because i'm a bit of a terrible human being but when we played at your house with uh, your dung beetle knight for example having painted models just made it feel it's it just brought so much more to that as a game i think i think that's obviously come across in the um beast of war videos as well because we're playing with like painted miniatures and that just adds something extra to it um and i have to thank the community to for like watching those videos because a lot of the feedback is that they like the videos not only because 
you know, painted miniatures and it shows how the game's played, but actually, like, I guess there's some charisma on screen, <laughs> which which is interesting, um, and that we explain things well and try and keep it fun and fast-paced without getting bogged down like some other videos out there do for the game. So that's good. That's good. I mean, I think that, that said something about how we also do our... Um, when we have done role-play games on Google Hangouts, we also try and keep it fast-paced and interesting. Uh, it makes me want to record some more videos in future, James. It'd be um, of confrontation as a uh, miniatures game. It'd be great to record, to to set up the cameras and record a play a playthrough of um, of hybrid. Yeah, we could certainly do that, couldn't we? That would be that would be fun. I'm sure we could do that. Uh, and I mean, I think you know we could we could definitely do that. Um, and other stuff. So yeah, uh, let's think. Uh, I guess next episode. Let's think. Next episode, we're going to have to talk about the Kingsman because he's an asshole. Uh, <laughs> that guy. That guy. Yeah. Um, and I think if we talk about the Kingsman, um, let's fill out. Let's because then we haven't done all the ne- all the main Nemesis encounters in the core game yet. So we could always add in. Could talk about Gorm. By then, I haven't played in the Kingdom Death yet for a while, so uh, um, yeah, we'll we'll talk about Gorm and we'll talk about um, the Kingsman, and uh, that'll be it, I think. So that'll be that'll be next episode. So uh, thank you, James, for again taking this time to record this for a second time. Um, <laughs> oh, it's it's all good. I I have such a nice time recording these um and i do love talking <laughs> yeah yeah uh and also everyone um you will be seeing this video go out if you see it go out on youtube you will see it also and the website is now festoon with a brand new logo which we have thanks to our friend who made the darker days radio uh lo- logo uh so um so that's uh you oh what's the you sam was it? it's yukari Ghost of Yukari. I always forget there's the ghost of it. It's Ghost of Yukari if you look up um, her artwork and design work. Uh, so she's made us a new Network Zero logo. So again, we're more independent of other people's IP. Um, and at some point, I'll make that available on, on Redbubble. Uh, James, you've got a lovely Redbubble t-shirt, haven't you? I do. I got a nice uh, nice Dark Days Radio t-shirt. Um, it's, yes. it's awesome because you can pick what colour you want them. And I like purple, um, so I've got a purple T-shirt with the uh, the big lightning new skull on it. Um, did they like it at the job interview? Um, yeah, they did. It's um, it's nice. I mean, I've had people <laughs> tell me that, like, you know, they have listened to the podcast, which is cool. Um, yeah. And you know, we talk we talk about a lot of game stuff, so it's obviously things that people are interested in. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to talk more game stuff at some point because. Because I know certain things are going on on uh, may well be turning up soon about a certain RPG we like. So uh, it'd be nice to um, to once some things are more setting stone, get someone returned to the podcast uh, to talk about it. Either on here or on on Dark Days Radio, it must be more, be more appropriate for Dark Days Radio that one. Um, yeah, I think that is it then. So I um 
other than oh the other thing is when you next listen to Dark Age Radio we've also got new sound bumpers on there thanks to Occam's Laser who allow us to use music on so again Dark Days Radio will sound excellent then and of course before we finish James we need to tell people how they get in contact with us so uh, they can get in contact with us on Dark Days Radio on Facebook on Google Plus at Dark Days Radio on Twitter Dark Days Radio at gmail.com is our email address and they can get in contact with us via our blog the blog's not being that active i should really update with some stuff on there at some point uh and oh hopefully james i'm going to try and sort out getting us to go to um uh, what's it called uh, uk games, UK games. yeah i need to fill out the form for that um so hopefully we'll be there and lurking around doing what we're doing uh again and that was fun last time so it'd be good to do it again um so that is it. So thank you for listening and good night. Good night. <laughs>